We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey there, my name is Ricky Smith, and I'm the founder of Random Acts of Kindness Everywhere, a nonprofit that simply does exactly what it says. Promote kindness everywhere. We know the world is crazy right now. If you are searching for a podcast that has a deeper conversation about race, my co-host Angel Gray and I will be discussing everything going on right now on our podcast, Random Acts of Podcast on Blue Wire Podcast Network. To find out more, go to rakenow.org. Enjoy the show. The Timeline is a Blue Wire podcast. As much as we want to get back to playing basketball, there's still a number of issues in our social structure that need attention. Welcome to the Timeline of Phoenix Suns podcast, a Phoenix Suns practice facility podcast, I think is what we are now. Uh, my name is Mike. I'm here, as always, with Sam. Sam, how are you doing? I am doing very well. Thanks for asking, Mike. Uh, excited to talk to our guest today, who I technically already spoke to today because I recorded a podcast with him about 12 hours ago. <laughs> <laughs> and that is, uh, well, you can, you can do the introducing. You are the host, after all. Should we just run that podcast in the middle of this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're joined today by host of the Lockdown Suns podcast, writer at Forbes, New Times, Bright Side of the Sun, a whole bunch of other places. Brandon Clean. Brandon, how are you doing? I am doing really well. It's actually, I always enjoy talking to Sam, so it's, it's fun. I, and you, Mike, but you know, 
we did yeah. invite Sam this morning, so I gotta I gotta give him credit. He did come on our show. I appreciate that. Uh, it's it's fun to have some Sun stuff to talk about. It's fun to like get in the rhythm of chatting with other Suns fans for the first time in a while and trying to remember like how many points per game this player averaged all this stuff that I just had <laughs> on the back of my hand I like the back of my hand for a while and it, it feels like a I don't even know it feels like another galaxy to go back to paying attention to the NBA but also I guess an exciting galaxy I don't know but I'm, I'm doing well yeah, I go back and forth uh, from thinking it's really important and thinking it's not important at all. <laughs> like, As with I'm, everything, some, yeah. Exactly. Sometimes I'm reading stats and I'm like, what am I doing right now? I spent about an hour and a half watching really bad Obi Toppin defense highlights <laughs> today. I haven't been able to do the draft stuff. I love the draft. <laughs> oh and God. I just like, every time I think about it, I'm like, that sounds like the biggest waste of time but i don't even know yep. why because like i do it for a living and i like it and it's it's something i should pay attention to and i can't i can't even like muster up the energy or the excitement to just like put up pull up a game like just watch one game of a player i right. can't do it yeah, I, I appreciate that you enjoy it because i don't, <laughs> I don't yeah enjoy I, it I don't much. enjoy it at all brendan so credit to you i i have not found the strength to do that yet but i do think it's funny like Basically, this past week was the first time since the return was announced that we've had light at the end of the tunnel. Like the NBA is confirmed to be coming back. So what Mike was saying a second ago, like suddenly I'm I'm rememorizing all of these stats too. Like how many times have we thrown out that one stupid lineup with the plus twenty <laughs> net rating or whatever in a couple hundred minutes? Like this small sample size in the past week, all of it is flooding back to us. And this is the type of stuff that we're going to hype up for the next seven weeks. Um, ultimately with a strong chance that the Suns don't don't come so hot out of the gate once they do have eight games to play, but we'll see. Who is going to come hot out of the gate? I, I wonder. That's actually an interesting concept. Nikola Jokic. Yeah, yes! Only. I don't know. Is he going to be used to that? Is he going to be used to it? It's, it? it's a whole different body for him. I don't know. Some people, I, I saw there was one article that was like, is he bad now that he's skinny? Like we all remember Kevin Love. Like Kevin Love got better. That it, it, he might be slightly worse at rebounding. Isn't that kind of what happened to Kevin Love? Turns out being uh, an athlete and being like in great physical shape go hand in hand. It usually works. Somebody tell Dario Saric that. <laughs> I'm wow. so surprised uh, this came up so early, actually, because in our hastily created outline, Mike wrote down a bullet point that says important. Jokic is skinny parentheses discuss for 40 minutes because it's just like it's that's where <laughs> it's we're the, at in the nba the, news cycle the where NBA news of the day <laughs> yes yeah. it was the nba news of the day Nikola Jokic drops 50 pounds really and the bomber jacket too really yeah. pulling off the new style yeah i, I <laughs> what i thought was funny is it was back-to-back Luka Doncic's fat and Nikola Jokic is skinny uh, news cycles, which for people who like to sort of lump every European basketball player into one bucket, they're really confused right now because <laughs> how are they going to decide <laughs> which stereotype to use? One of them got bigger, the other one got skinnier. I have a feeling Luka Doncic is fine, by the way, but it will be interesting to see uh, Nikola Jokic and, and how good he is. I don't know, do the Suns even play... I don't have the schedule offhand here. Do the Suns even play the Nuggets? I, I hope don't not. believe they do. I don't think they do either. So at least we don't have to see that because uh, Jokic kind of works the Suns every time <laughs> Every time they play. Uh, Brendan, you just wrote an article. Speaking of centers, uh, you just wrote an article for Bright Side of the Sun about DeAndre Ayton and how he's kind of the key for the Suns returning. Um, talk about that article a little bit. What, what, was the, what was the real conceit of that article? It's just the guy that I've been most focused on uh i just 
I mean, it, it's every time I go on a rant about DeAndre Ayton and I do it often on our show, I think anyone as a Suns fan, like this guy has been such a lightning rod for two years now. And uh, it feels kind of weird to think that it's around two years ago this time that they drafted him. And everything is riding on his development. We sort of already know what Devin Booker is. We know what his work ethic is. We can expect him to continue to get better. Uh, you know, there's the, there's no ceiling on the guy, but like that that's a known commodity. You have an all-star on your team. What you don't know is what this number one overall pick is going to be, and particularly with the circumstances this guy's gone through, some by his own doing, some not, it's an even more uncertain situation for him uh you know I was harping he barely cleared 100 games but I was clear uh, harping on how few games he had played up until the shutdown it it was he was due to maybe not even get to 100 by the end of his second season depending on what the injuries were like with his ankle in uh, year two here so every time that I heard the Suns get referenced as maybe being part of this Orlando restart I just kept thinking about DeAndre Ayton and all that he still has to prove and all of that only got exacerbated because it's looking now like you know whatever the off season is like next year it's uh we're about a year away from the suns having the opportunity to extend deandre ayton right. uh, it's it's really really important that he take this seriously and that he, put, he is put into a position to succeed and that he is, uh, I guess, that you just get another look at him. He's just, you know, normally guys would be going into year three with pretty normal circumstances, which these aren't, and going on 200 games played. He's at 101 and a pretty bizarre second season now when you include the shutdown. So I just think... Of all the different stuff, all of it comes back to DeAndre Ayton for me. What is he going to do? How is he going to play? Is he going to be a guy who come? you know, physical shape is not a, a certainty for him. We were just joking with, about it with Jokic, who's like an, mm-hmm. an, an MVP candidate. But like DeAndre Ayton's body is, is still a work in progress too. And so there's a million directions you could go. But I tried to kind of sum it up in that article just to say like my eyes will be on him. That's all I know. Mm-hmm. I'm really glad you brought it up and you touched on it, but I want to read out the full quote because what uh, stuck with me reading your article is a quote. It's near the end of the article and it says, uh, it can be easy to forget amidst all the other bigger questions swirling around the NBA right now, but a shortened 2020-21 season would mean Aiton is, as you said just a second ago, Brennan, less than a year away from being eligible for a maximum contract extension and the big payday uh, that he said he dreamed about, end quote. Remember, he always talked about how his goal, and, and people blew this out of proportion, but his goal was to get to that second contract. As I read that, I sensed, you know, some nervousness from you. And and maybe I pegged that wrong. Maybe that's not how you're feeling. That's certainly how I feel about it. Um, but could you maybe reflect on that a little bit? You know, how nervous are you about the prospect of the Suns only having maybe a season left and a little bit of change to really get a good look at this guy before he's potentially demanding max money? I would have been less nervous, I think, if the, you know, let's just say he played out the season, whatever number of games he gets to, you know, let's even just say he plays another 10 or something uh, if the season never gets shut down. You know, I would be a little less nervous in that circumstance. You get a full off season, you get a full training camp, everything's pretty normal. 
even if these games are being played in empty buildings, uh, whatever, that that's not that big of a deal. But you compound the, the uh, suspension, the two ankle injuries, uh, the ankle injury or the lower body injury that ended his rookie season, the um, multitude. I mean, he was just put, even when he was on the floor this, this season, he was put into so many different situations that I really feel like year two, as far as team building is it's really hard to make any conclusions from because even the great lineups Aiton was a part of were such small samples. Like we were just talking about that five man unit that we mm-hmm. talked about on locked on Suns with you, Sam is, is so it's really hard to take anything from that even, <laughs> even though it yeah. was good. So it's like that, that that's where I am right now. We only have eight more games here. Uh, who knows what training camp's going to look like. And then you're going to have to kind of be on the clock. Three, year, three, year three for Aiton is going to be bizarre because of all the things that will make next season bizarre for every NBA player. And uh, not to mention this, the, the financial uncertainty looming over the league. What's the cap going to look like? What's the, what are the mechanisms by which the Suns can improve this roster around Aiton? I would just, anytime you're going to give a guy a max after three seasons, which the Suns were wrong to do with even Devin Booker, uh, you want the certainty to be there, uh, and I just don't think they have that. And it's going to be hard to find it with how strange everything's going to be for the next several months in the world, of course, but also just in the NBA. Yeah, it's a weird thing where the improvements with DeAndre Ayton's defense from year one to year two, I don't think were predicted by anyone. And I think you brought up the great point of saying, we still <laughs> is it sustainable? Because we still haven't seen enough to know for sure that this is the new normal going forward or hopefully that he would continue to improve uh, from what is sort of this baseline. Now, as I was just saying earlier, I was watching Obi Toppin uh, film today and a lot of the defensive mistakes that he was making, uh, Toppin was making, uh, looked like DeAndre in year one. Like It looks really similar to DeAndre Ayton. And it's just kind of amazing to think about the improvement from year one to year two. And uh, this is actually the one thing that I like. I I will say that I like about the bubble, as we're going to call it. Um, It's all good teams. Now, what we're going to see is we we talked about it on our last week's podcast, Sam and I. This is going to be the most important. The first game of this bubble is already the most important game of Devin Booker's career. And that means that they're going to be playing all playoff teams, essentially, except for uh, possibly one game, I think, is against the Wizards. Yeah. And that means it's a good test uh, for these guys going forward. It's just such a bizarre environment to actually test them in. It's it's like a Petri dish. We're all just sort of watching them from the outside uh, with cameras on them and no crowd and no norm. It's just not normal. It's it's like a pickup game or some, something with NBA players. Uh, playing NBA quality basketball, hopefully. I mean, we don't even know how many people are going to show up, which we're going to talk about a little bit later here. Uh, but it is going to be interesting to see them tested. What What do you think you want to see? I know it's only eight games, and I know other people want to believe that they're going to make the playoffs. I'm just going to discount it completely out of my mind. What do you want to see out of DeAndre, and specifically for the bubble, for these eight games, uh, Brendan? I want to see... It's, it's almost... Not even what I want to see from him, but I want them to take the the training wheels off. You know, um, I think that's one of the things that got lost because he was not available. 
I think they had a pretty clear idea, the coaching staff did, of what this year would look like for Aiton. I think that Monty took this job knowing that Aiton's development was maybe the most important thing. You know, building a relationship in a system that worked for Devin Booker was a priority, but I think Monty felt like he could do that. You know, he famously compared him to Brandon Roy, a guy he got to coach early on, and you have an all, all-star all caliber, all-NBA potentially shot creator at guard. It's not too hard to make that guy look good, but it was about DeAndre Ayton, and I think a lot of that fell apart because of the suspension, because of the injuries, and so I want them to, to just fast-forward all of that. We saw him play so, so well in the spring, late winter, spring, whatever. I don't know what the solstices are, but you know what I mean. February, March, mm-hmm. he was playing so well. <laughs> like, this was a guy who... I think that might be where my interest comes from is that's the guy I wanted to see over the last 17 games that got stolen from us. And so I would imagine the coaching staff is feeling the same way. And I hope that they can maybe expedite whatever the the, the program, the development system that they had tentatively in mind. Obviously, we've all had to change our priorities a little bit. So I think that they could do the same thing. Monty was playing him a lot of minutes. I want that to continue. I would want to see more of the offense running through him. I think we need less of the complicated sets that Monty maybe favors and more like let's let's get some Booker Aiton pick and roll going. Let's get some Aiton at the elbow. We've seen him post up plenty, but like put him in a position where he has to go to the basket. Put him in a position where he has to create a shot for himself, demand that he gets good shots. Uh, I would be gearing a lot of what this mini camp, training camp, scrimmages, regular season games, we don't know the exact structure yet, but all of it, I would be putting more on DeAndre Ayton's plate than ever before and saying, kind of show us. Show us that it, that you're ready for this. Show us that you're a, a franchise cornerstone player and that you can be a guy we build around. Yeah, I think one of the interesting things that came out uh, today uh, was a lot of the news about the uncertainty. So, So we keep hearing this is what's going to happen. This is what's going to happen. This is what's going to happen. And then the only player that I've seen fully actually speak out about this sort of against the idea so far to my knowledge was Joe Ingles, who said that he doesn't plan on going. Now, of course, all of this can change as we say every single week. Uh, But now there was some actual reporting done that says that some players are unsure of whether or not they want to attend. And I think there's two reasons that were reported. The main reason that I think that was reported uh, was they were just unsure about the ability or the inability to leave uh, for as long of a time as it may be for a lot of the teams that are there. Less time, for, of course, for the teams that don't make the playoffs and a long time for the teams that make it all the way to the finals. And then there was also some reports that some players don't like the idea of it slowing down the momentum of protests of the Black Lives Matter movement, which I think is kind of an interesting uh concept to think about um, just sort of adding some more distractions into the media and then players who bring a lot of spotlight onto that movement uh, now moved somewhere else where they can no longer uh, bring that sort of spotlight onto that movement. Something that was reported is uh, the timeframes that teams would be required to be there. Uh, they said six teams would be eliminated after 35 to 40 days. 14 total teams will be gone by 53 days at the latest And then after the second round of playoffs, a maximum of 67 days, four teams will be left um, on the Disney campus. And then the maximum for all teams, including the finals, assuming they go to seven games, would be 82 days total. 
Now, uh, that's a long time to not be allowed to go anywhere. And I think that's what a lot of these players are looking at. And uh, I don't know, Sam, I do want to ask you, how do you feel about these reports and what do you think about it? Um, I think actually in the past week since um, the original announcement, or I guess what it's been probably two weeks since we knew they were going to play um, in Orlando, probably, right? Like the rumors started coming yeah. out around two weeks ago. And, you know, I know this is a basketball podcast first and, and not really talking about current events, but it's just impossible not to tie the two together right now. So I would want to make the point that today, June 12th, uh, Florida, the state of Florida um, counted over 1,000 new coronavirus infections, which is an all-time high for them compared to what it's been for the past three months. Um, and, uh, you know, I think anyone who looks at what's going on in Florida right now and sees things like the positive test rate um, for COVID increasing day by day uh, and assumes that the virus is on its way out and will be on its way out by the time the NBA kind of touches down there and, and starts to play the tournament, those people would sort of be kidding themselves. Um, so it's, yeah, it's it's definitely a threat. I think there's a, a real present danger um, more so than I felt about it, I guess, a couple of weeks ago to the players playing there. The other thing that you said, actually, I hadn't even heard about the story about um, some players feeling that uh, the the resumption of this season would take away from Black Lives Matter. I had not heard about that at all, but I, th- I think that's fascinating, um, actually. Yeah. So, uh, Brendan, what do you think? So, not to drop a name, but uh, I had it was a really cool opportunity over at Uproxx. I got to interview Woj and uh, mostly about what he's doing with the Boys and Girls Club, which is all really cool. You should watch some of the videos he's been doing with athletes, media people. Brendan, on. is this is this going to be an inside scoop? No, it is not. <laughs> it is not. But it was interesting perspective because I, you know, I wanted to ask him, like, I really asked him, like, how is he trying to stay mindful of covering this moment, understanding the league and the people that he covers and their involvement in this this movement around the country? And he was telling me that, like, from his conversations, a lot of their, a lot of the guys that he's talked to uh, across the the NBA is that they think they can have a bigger impact on the floor. And I think that's been reiterated by a lot of people. You know, that's not, that's by no means like a monolithic feeling on the part of every single person in the entire NBA. And we've already heard plenty of people feel differently, but I tend to agree with that, that on the whole, like these guys being on the floor is going to give them a, a megaphone that, that they just can't get like, I really thought what Jalen Brown did or what Malcolm Brogdon did or go on down the list of these guys who participated in the protests, even uh, Juan Toscano from the Warriors, who's like a G-leaguer, was, was leading marches in the Bay area. Uh, but that's all just going to be magnified if they're on the floor. So it's it's not my place. I'm not an organizer of this stuff to, to tell them that, but I, I just think that that's just going to happen. Like the league has always been open to that stuff. It's going to be an awesome platform for them to speak out. I tend to think that stuff probably gets sorted out, especially because who even knows where we are socially as a country in a month, which right. I think is when they would be, <laughs> which I, I think that's when they would be landing in Orlando not to mention six weeks from now when they're finally playing games. So I would imagine those concerns get quelled a little bit, but uh, just, yeah, the health stuff and the isolation stuff I think is really important. I've heard that in players that I've interviewed recently on the WNBA side and the NBA side. And 
Uh, Malcolm Brogdon talked about it on JJ Reddick's podcast today. Carmelo Anthony spoke out with in an interview with Ernie Johnson, saying like I haven't basically been convinced yet. And that's Carmelo Anthony, who's very close with the leadership of the NBA on the players' side, and yeah. his word still matters, even if he's a little washed. Like uh, so. I don't think it's set in stone at all. You know, Woj reported there's like 40 or 50 players getting on calls lately to talk about their their concerns. And Joe Ingles was was outspoken early from a health standpoint, but there's just been so many more things that have come up along the way now that I think are causing people to pause. And like, I think that there's a lot of players who probably just don't even feel like it's worth it. Like Bradley Beal, I think, was one of the guys who was like, if we don't have a chance to like legitimately be involved mm-hmm. in the playoffs, like I don't really want to play. And I don't know if anyone's felt differently than that even. So, yeah, it's it's going to be on the NBA to convince them that it's worth it and make the accommodations to make it worth it. Well, to that point, I'm surprised that we haven't had a Phoenix Sun kind of come out against it yet. I don't we know haven't if heard from any Suns players at all. I, well, like. I think all we heard is Mikhail Bridges wants to get out there and Frank Kaminsky, I think. We, we I heard think from Javon Carter said something, too. That makes sense it, that yeah. Javon Carter would want to play no matter what. I will give him yeah. credit for that. Yeah. But, you know, behind the scenes, what are these guys really thinking? I wouldn't be surprised if, if three quarters of the Phoenix Suns roster is thinking, what's the point? Um, so maybe we're the ones who are kidding ourselves if we don't think that's going to reflect in their play. I don't know. But, but we have no way of knowing that, really. Do you think that Devin Booker is going to take Kendall Jenner with him? They can take. I think they can. You have take, to make the playoffs to get your family to be able to come. So, oh okay. yeah, maybe yeah, that's yeah. extra so, pressure motivation. for him. Yeah, no visitors yeah. allowed for, for is no it playoffs, seven weeks? no Kendall. Yeah, no playoffs, no, Kendall, <laughs> no exactly. playoffs, no Kendall. Truly, the highest stakes in Devin's career. <laughs> I am actually really interested, though, in in Booker's thoughts on. I mean, everything. He yeah. hasn't even posted on social media right. in weeks. The guy no. has been radio silent. Yeah, it just links to a Call of Duty stream. That, that's really all I ever see uh, from him now. And he doesn't talk to. He doesn't seem to be talking to any media. Mm. Uh, he hasn't taken part of any of those uh, Suns-sponsored Zoom calls either. Uh, I imagine that'll be coming down soon. I think these guys got to start talking soon. It seems like a lot of the players are just sort of excited to get back to normal. Uh, as far as whatever normal is for them, there is an argument to be made that they have the they could potentially have the safest possible workplace that there is. As people are going to be tested, um, you know, essentially every single day. Uh, that's better than my work. You know, that's better than yeah, most yeah, people's yeah, work. Yeah. You know, I want to ask you, Brendan. You uh, have been in the locker rooms. You've sort of been there around the players up close, and personal. Would you go if you had the opportunity to go to Orlando? Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, I, I luckily this is not a decision I would actually have to make because I won't have the opportunity to go. But <laughs> right, right. But I mean, I, this was already something I was thinking about when we thought we were going to be covering empty stadium games. Right. There was that week where it was like, okay, the Bay Area and Ohio have basically forced the NBA's hand. These games are going to have to take place in empty in empty arenas. Like, you know, should I go? Would I go? Is it worth it? I would probably trend toward yes because again like I wouldn't get to be tested every day, you know, if in that situation. Although it sounds like the media who are going to be allowed into the actual bubble yeah. are, which is yeah. very fortunate for them, but uh it's the NBA. Like I think that's what a lot of players have come back to. Like Damian Lillard was one of the guys who was pretty outspoken early on of like I'm not sold on this whole idea, but even he gave an interview to Vanity Fair today and was like it's I trust the league like 
they're not going to ask us to come back into a situation where it's legitimately unsafe for us. You know, individuals can make their decisions in whatever way they want to, but it's kind of a gross thing to say because it highlights the discrepancy between all of us and all of them. But it is true. Like these guys are entering besides maybe the white house, like the safest work environment in the country. So, you know, we're asking far more danger. We're asking people to go into far more dangerous circumstances than that. Um, and it's kind of like, what's the end in sight? Cause I don't think 2020, 21 season is going to be this, safe haven of non-coronavirus NBA games. So, you know, if that's kind of where you draw the line, then, like, are you retiring? I don't mean to be blunt about it, but it's like, I don't know what what the kind of answer is there. Yeah, yeah, I think it's a it's a complicated thing. Let's take a we're going to take a quick break right now uh, to hear from our sponsors here. And then when we come back, we're going to talk about what this means and what how people are going to view this bubble in the future. We'll be right back. There is no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partners, betonline.ag. Sports are slowly making their way back and BetOnline is leading the way with the best odds and lines for all UFC, NASCAR, boxing, and soccer matches. And if you need even more, they have simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC simulations all day, every day, live on their website. Looking for something else other than sports? BetOnline has hundreds of casino games, poker tournaments, and prop bets to check out. Visit betonline.ag and use the promo code BLUEWIRE for a free welcome bonus. That's one word, BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. All right, I wanted to talk about something that has been sort of going around um, in this conversation about the bubble. I think uh, there's sort of a conversation about does this count or how big of an asterisk is this title going to be? I was talking to um, our friend Mavs Draft, um, Richard Stamen, uh, and I just sort of asked him, uh, what if the Mavs win? <laughs> what if the Mavs win a championship? How would you feel about that? And he was just, it, it kind of threw him because he hadn't even considered the thought of that. And uh, just from your guys' perspective, Brendan, I'll ask you first here, uh, What do you think it matters that, this is going to be sort of so drastically different. Obviously, in the short term, I think people will look at it differently. But in the long term, do you think it matters? Like, what if the Suns do make the playoffs, for example? Uh, how wow. big of an asterisk <laughs> do you think this is? Yeah, it's some of the some of the larger narrative stuff. I think is going to be interesting to ponder. Like, you know, if if the Rockets make the finals, like, does that does that justify or evaluate their past, you know, this era right. for them? Because that's just been the hump they've never been able to go over. Would, would you alter your decision-making because in this weird circumstance you happen to make the finals after not being able to for so long? Uh, the Suns, like the playoff drought, the Kings, same thing. Um, but I tend to think, like, that stuff on the margins will be for fan bases to debate and, and you know, NBA nerds to geek out about. But... Unless something dramatic happens, I don't think anyone will see it as an asterisk. Now, the reason that that whole asterisk idea even exists is because the 99 Knicks make the finals and they're the eighth seed and they're not that great of a team. And so if something like that happens again, then I think you are looking at just people that will try to challenge it. You know, if if the Bucks mm-hmm. lose in the second round or something, if the Lakers lose in the second round, 
um, if there's injuries or coronavirus tests that that play a part in it, I think you start to get a little concerned. But like, if it's a Lakers Bucks finals and Giannis beats LeBron in six games and everything goes pretty according to plan, I don't think anyone's going to try to take that away from them. What do you think, Sam? Yeah, long term, there's no asterisk on it at all, I don't think. I think people are going to bitch and complain about it in the short term, no matter who wins, because everyone's got their narrative, and you always have to be prepared for that. Um, But here's the thing. Theoretically, everyone's on an even playing field until they're not. And what I mean by that is um, we just had a whole discussion about players who don't actually want to play. The other news that came out today is that, okay, so you can have replacement players and that's where it starts to get a little bit iffy. That's where really the narratives are, are going to change around this playoffs um, if there are uh, a, a plethora of those replacement players. Because I think people hear the term replacement player um, and maybe in their mind, you know, you're a Suns fan. You think, oh, great. Let's say DeAndre Ayton goes down. OK, we'll call up the T-Wolves. Uh, we'll get Carl Anthony Towns. He's not doing anything. He'll just fly over to Disney World uh, and play with the Suns. He'll be great. Finally got Booker and Cat for eight games. In reality, <laughs> what it's likely going to mean, and we don't have any confirmation of Jamal any of this Crawford yet, is back. What it, yeah, exactly. What it likely <laughs> means is okay, you go, here's your list of uh, current available free agents, guys who are willing to take you know any spot that they could get. They're willing to be paid, I don't know, $50,000, $100,000, not much to go and play these eight games and then maybe the playoffs. So let's say DeAndre Ayton goes down. All right. Let's bring Jonah Bolden back. Like, that's the sort of stuff you're getting. You know, so if you're the Rockets and James Harden suffers a freak injury, um, or sorry, not a freak injury, James Harden gets sick um, or refuses to play or whatever, any of these other any of these other circumstances. um, And the only guy you can go and get is your pick between like Jamal Crawford and Gerald Green. Okay, then there's an asterisk on the finals, you know, because those are the sorts of things that people are really going to look at, at least in the short term. In the long term, frankly, no matter who wins, it, it probably doesn't matter. Uh, maybe Jim, maybe James Harden should refuse to play because he wasn't included on that conference call uh, <laughs> where everybody was called to decide the future of the league, and they were like, eh, let's leave him out. Um, so I did ask on Twitter... Uh, what people wanted to hear us talk about. We got a couple. We're not going to have time to go through every single one of these, but I did want to talk about a few of the interesting questions that we were asked. Um, the first one by Zona Sports, our friend at Zona Sports. Uh, he said, let's say the Suns start 0-2. Is it time to shut down Booker, Aiton, and Oubre? Uh, he said he has his opinion, but he's curious about ours. We broke down what it would take for the Suns to make the playoffs on our last episode. Uh, they would essentially have to win at least seven of the eight games uh, realistically. And even then, it's still almost impossible because it's entirely out of their hands. It's so dependent on what the other teams win and lose. Uh, So an 0-2 start would essentially be the end of their playoff hopes for all intents and purposes. Brendan, what do you think? Do you think that they would shut down? Or even, even more importantly, do you think they should shut down Devin Booker, DeAndre, and Kelly Oubre assuming they do start 0-2. I I think this is actually something that my mind was going to when we were talking about DeAndre Ayton and uh, putting him in position to succeed and, and what the priorities are generally. Like, to me, Monty Williams isn't going to let any of that happen. I just think as crazy as things have gotten since October when this guy first laid out his vision for coaching this team and how every day was going to be, you know, a part, a stepping stone in instilling a professional culture here um, 
we saw that, I think, even though they were a very inconsistent team. His steadiness was there. I don't think he is going to allow this, no matter how crazy it is, no matter how bad of a start they get off to, to to get derailed. I think he's going to have a program, a vision for what this eight game, this month-long stint in Orlando is going to look like. And he's not going to veer from that, you know, and I think that's why I tend to think just in general that they're going to operate a little bit more patiently than I think a lot of other people do. I know Sam's been like referring to it as elimination games every single time. Obviously, it is that if they don't win them all or close to it, they're they're out. But I think that this is more of an opportunity that you're playing eight games that eight other teams in the NBA aren't getting to play. And how do you want to operate from there? So I don't think an 0-2 start or 2-0 start would really change that. Sam, what do you think? Yeah, I, I think Brendan's right in a lot of respects. If, if we're talking about what Monty probably wants to do, Monty is a big culture guy. And as a big culture guy, he's going to want um, positive momentum going into the offseason, um, assuming that you kind of accept the idea that the best six or seven players on this roster are actually uh, your core going forward. Now, what I personally do, I wouldn't completely shut them down. Um, but as Brendan referred to, you know, I do consider these elimination games. So I think you start uh, out in game one with an eight-man rotation. Ricky Rubio, Devin Booker, guys like that, DeAndre Aiden are going to have to play heavy minutes, maybe 36, 38, even 40 minutes per game, especially in that backcourt without having any depth. Like, if you actually want a chance at the playoffs, I think that's where you have to start. And then let's say they go 0-2, like Brandon, Zona Sports said. Um, then I think at that point you scale it back a little bit. You say, okay, Ricky's going to play 28 minutes you know, tonight. Devin's going to play 28 minutes, something like that. We're going to scale it back. We're going to reduce fatigue, but they're still going to play. You still want to toy with those lineups. Um, I think what it gives you the freedom to do, if you're accepting at that point that you're eliminated, um, is it gives you the freedom to do things like increase Cameron Johnson's usage uh, or mm-hmm. increase Mikhail Bridges' usage. Obviously, DeAndre Aiden as well, but but we've already spoken plenty about him Um, this episode Um, so you know to do things like that and at that point if you want to bring the rotation back out to 10 or 11 guys um, a little bit more normal uh, that's fine too so that's personally what I would do like Brendan said though wouldn't be surprised if Monty just kind of sticks with a solid rotation eight games through no matter what happens yeah I think uh, two two answers for me Um, they won't I don't think they will uh, you know, will they do that? No. Um, I just think you're right. I think I don't really have much to add to what you guys said. I think it's more of a culture thing than anything else. They don't want to be complacent with losing. And I think you have to, uh, sort of set an, an example with your star players as much as you possibly can. But I also kind of don't think that they should, if they're already going to be there and they're not allowed to leave, like we're assuming that they're not injured and they are already going to be there. Why not play? Why not put them in and maybe reduce their minutes, shorten the road or sh- lengthen the rotation a little bit, add some more guys in there and see what they got. Uh, give Ty Jerome some more time and see, see if he can do anything with it. Uh, you know, that kind of thing is not, it, not quite the same as shutting them down, but maybe it's a little safer as far as, um, you know, not, not risking any sort of major injury because that's the, that's the main thing you don't want. And that's the, that's the thing I think that's going to define a lot of what they're doing here. Will people get sick and will any, anybody suffer a, a major injury? Because this is a weird start and stop to the season. Right? We had a few months off. It's essentially a whole new season now. It's it's like them going to the Olympics or something. It's, it's not quite the same as just 
continuing the season after a short break. It's a long break. So, uh, you know, I do hope that they're safe with him for that should be their main priority. We got another question, I think, from Cody, uh, Cody James Hunt. We're on a first name basis with Cody at this point. (laughs) He, He said, rank the Suns players by how you think their games will improve slash regress when playing in front of no fans, no fans at all. <laughs> Such a funnily <laughs> worded question. Uh, yeah, and I think it's a really good question. So I only really, like, the only, the I think the most obvious player that feeds off the fans the most, I know you guys already know where I'm going with this, is Kelly Oubre. Yeah. And it has to be Kelly Oubre. And you would imagine that it would affect his game the most, but it's impossible He's like, this is a guy that's still coming off of injury. And I was thinking about this, Sam, when you were talking about shortening the rotation to start. We don't know that they are going to be even capable of doing that. There's still a possibility that, assuming Kelly Oubre is back, maybe he's on a minutes restriction or incapable of uh, playing well immediately when he comes back. Like, we don't know exactly what he's going to look like. Uh, But that's the first guy that came to mind. And I think. The second guy for me that came to mind uh, that is not going to be affected at all by there being no crowd is Javon Carter. I just feel like Javon Carter is Javon Carter regardless of the situation. If you put him in an LA fitness or you put him on an NBA court, it's going to be the exact same guy. Of course, he's going to dominate a little bit more at an LA fitness than on an NBA court, but I don't think he's going to be affected by any uh, lack of fans. Sam, do you have any thoughts on, on there being no fans there? Uh, it's well, we talked about in the past. I just hope they don't pump in too much crowd noise, especially. I think I saw a report from Shams that it might be 2K crowd <laughs> noise, right? Like, did we yeah. ever talk yeah. about that? Because that sounds fucking awful. Um, yeah, and it I, does. I, I, Javon Carter being our version of Patrick Beverly, I'd much rather have him uh, kind of calling stuff out. Like, it would be very interesting, both as a basketball strategist and just as a fan of hearing players talk shit. Um, I guess on the flip side, flip side, my answer to this might be that like Elia Kobo. Um, gives me big dragon bender energy sometimes where it's like maybe it's a situation where the fewer people who are watching him on the big stage the better he actually is like he gets more <laughs> confidence by it not being a critical moment i feel like dragon had this uh, innate ability to choose the absolute worst times to kind of show us a little bit of potential like the game would already be a blowout and then he would go off for 15 points he would hit his threes and he would turn just enough heads the you know that part of the hardcore fandom would kind of stay interested in his long-term <laughs> future ceiling and his potential ellie kind of gives me the same sort of vibe and and i've fallen for it before um, so maybe he's he's a guy who could potentially get better with no crowd <laughs> if i had to answer that that converse and brendan you've been around these guys you you, you kind of know them uh, personally what do you think i think deandre Ayton would be the only guy i would throw in there i think he uh i think he does really i think he's a high and low guy um, yeah so you know i think mostly he gets his energy and his motivation from his teammates i think when he can make a big play for his teammates that really gets him going you know catching a lob an outlet pass, blocking a shot, uh, that team-oriented stuff always re- tends to get him going. But that stuff, the accumulation of you know several actions on the floor ending with the big play, that's all generated from a crowd, buzz, 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 and then the crowd explodes. So it's going to be weird to not have a crowd for everybody. I think we'd be, you know, the answer is probably all these guys are going to have an adjustment. But yeah, I would say DeAndre Ayton is 
it's just going to be a challenge for him to find. Because I do think that motivation is is difficult. Like, I think back even to college, this was a guy who is probably his best performance at Arizona was after his coach and him were basically accused of crimes. And he goes out and, <laughs> and plays, like, the best game ever against Oregon. So uh, I think he's somebody to keep an eye on. It's just another reason I'm I'm thinking about him so much. Well, he, I mean, we do play the Mavericks twice, and he gets up for those games. So maybe we'll sure. discount those games when judging that specific thing. I will say this. In a normal offseason, one of the things that happens now every single year is that like a month or two into the offseason, or like a month before training camp, all of a sudden, all of these pickup game videos start emerging on Instagram <laughs> and Twitter of all these NBA players playing against each other in these random pickup games. Of course, the, the most famous one being uh, Devin Booker calling out uh, for the double team and uh, calling out Joe Kim Noah and them getting in that argument and it's sort of defining who Devin Booker is for a lot of people who don't watch the Suns. But what, we've all watched those videos and one thing that happens in every single one of those videos is Devin Booker is talking shit constantly like the entire time and i think the lack of crowd is one of the reasons that he does that we know he has said it that he talks to himself to hype himself up but clearly he likes to also uh humiliate other players uh offensively as much as possible and that means layering it on as much as possible with the talking shit and i think that's really one of the main reasons why they're going to amp up the fake crowd noise they don't want us hearing that. Now, of course, we all want to hear that more than anything. I think it's fascinating, and I think you really get a look at who these players are. And I think, like I said before, they have an opportunity to show us that in a way that the NBA has never had before, and I just don't think they're going to do it. One of the suggestions I made in the past, I'm going to reiterate it because I like this idea, is what they did with the Jordan documentary where they had one clean channel that you can go to and watch the games where... Uh, there were no curse words in that documentary. And then another one that was sort of the unedited one that you can watch and actually hear what the people were saying in that documentary. That's what I think they should do with these games. Give us an opportunity to hear the players uh, like we never have before. I just doubt that they're going to do it. It would be really fun to hear what Devin Booker is actually saying to these guys on the floor. Uh, Sam, did you have any other one of these questions that you wanted to answer before we end this one? Uh, do you want to touch this one from Scott Coleman? Which player would you predict? Oh, well, I guess we kind of touched on it earlier, didn't we? Which player would you predict would bail on the Suns during this pandemic tourney? First of all, uh, I wouldn't use the phrase bail necessarily. No. Like, if and I just want to make it clear, if any player decides to stay home for any reason, I think that's that. Then we again sort of covered this, but it's totally valid. It's totally legitimate. Yeah. Uh, that being said, do, do either of you guys want to touch it? I interpreted the question as which player would leave the bubble and go do something stupid. Oh, oh like a Frank Dennis Kaminsky. Rodman. That's oh, Frank you Kaminsky, think? yeah. You think it's Frank oh, and not Kelly? Frank. You think it's Frank oh, and not it's Kelly? Absolutely Frank Kaminsky. When, <laughs> when, <laughs> when, the, uh, when Arizona first declared a state of emergency, the uh, Scottsdale bars were still open for another few weeks. And something that emerged on Reddit uh, was a photo of Frank Kaminsky surrounded by people in a Scottsdale uh, bar. This was when the coronavirus had already hit in Arizona. So if I had to pick anybody, it would be Frank Kaminsky. I love that, that this is also a person who got the police called on him for playing music too loudly while he recovered <laughs> from an injury. That's That's like kind of an unfathomable story where it's like, 
I guess I understand, but how loud did it have to be for that to happen? Yeah, Frank's a good call. It probably is Frank. <laughs> Kelly Kelly obviously has a uh, has you know, plays plays to the beat of his own drum, but I think at the same time means business like i don't think he would ruin this like the guy is almost you know closer to 30 than 20 or whatever so it's like i hope he would keep it in line maybe the same goes for frank frank's actually probably older than kelly close to 32 but yeah but but he's like perpetually a frat guy his soul his soul (laughs) never left wisconsin (laughs) exactly he's got that in his blood but i don't i i will say from the other perspective um the way i interpreted it was the same as uh how sam did Will any players not go? I really don't think so. I, I have a feeling the Suns are sort of, they're the 22nd team of the 22 teams, right? They're just kind of happy to be there. I think they're lucky to hey, be the there. Hey, the Wizards are. No, oh, the Wizards. I yeah, guess that's 21st. true. 21st. Come on, man. <laughs> 21st of the 22 teams. They barely made the cut, right? It was either going to be 20 or it was going to be 22. Uh, so they barely made the cut. And I have a feeling a lot of the guys are looking at it as the way that Mikhail Bridges said, uh, that he was looking at it was, which is just, oh, I'm just excited to get another chance to play basketball uh, because they're bored. I think they're probably really, really bored. And, uh, you know, ho- I don't know how much faith they have in the league the way that sort of Damian Lillard does. Uh, but I don't know that I would either personally, to be 100% honest. But, you know, I have a feeling that they're all going to show up and. And obviously, they're going to bring some other guys from from the G League along with them because they they get seven. I think seventeen players was the the yeah, last member I saw. A couple a couple extra, so like they could sign a couple free agents. You know, they could bring back Jonah Bolden, right? They could bring in Marshawn Brooks if they finally wanted him. I don't think he's signed to a team right now. <laughs> All sorts <laughs> Crawford, of stuff they Jamal could do. Crawford. Jamal Crawford, Jamal Crawford, of course. Yeah, how how could we possibly forget? Longtime friend. Yeah, yeah. Maybe they should because I'm not sure all the. I don't know. Do the Suns have any older coaches? They don't really. No, they have a pretty lucky. young coach. Exactly. Uh, yeah, well, uh, what's his name? The. Uh, I feel bad that I can't remember it off the top of my. So this is exactly what I'm talking. I could have named you every assistant coach, and now I just <laughs> don't, can't even. The guy that Monty pulled from uh, New Orleans, who was like a Nets scout for a while. Oh yes. Oh my God. I don't know well, why I can't got, think of the guy's name, Googling. but he's in his 60s or something. Well, now we all uh, look so stupid. Way to go, well, guys. The, Get Jamal Crawford on on the bench to to is it uh, Randy Ayers? Yes, yes, that's yes. Who it is. yes. Okay, yeah, yeah. he's he's pretty old. <laughs> he was actually yeah he he was like a, a head coach at one point like twenty five years ago in the NBA. So he's been around. But I don't. It's another can of worms. But for to give my answer on the other who might not go, I do I do think there's it's I wouldn't leave the fact that Kelly said in. He said to me when I interviewed him about his clothing brand. He said to Cam Cox in an interview uh, on the CB on the NBC yeah. affiliate here that he was unsure. And then the owner goes out to say that he's going to play. Yeah. I wouldn't. I wouldn't stop keeping an eye on that. And I, yeah, that's so interesting. It, you know, I think that's something where I'm not saying Kelly's not going to go to Orlando. I think he'll go because even if he's hurt, I think he would want to be there. Um, but just broadly that's something to think about because that was a really weird series of events. Yeah, I completely agree. I think I've been talking about it on Twitter for a while here. There's been no official report that we actually don't no. know for sure that he's going to be there. No. And then and and the team th- didn't announce the guy's surgery until they got the like all clear. I think it was pretty clear that he was going to get second and third opinions. Exactly. I'm not reporting that, but that's just like reading between the lines. He was injured yeah. for a long time before they made anything official. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they never they still haven't released a press release that he 
about his status. So it's it's weird. I think that this is uh, just sort of the continuing the tradition of players actually trying to take their health more into their own hands, um, a la uh, Kawhi Leonard, for example, or Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant's been out longer than anyone else with his injury uh, in the last like 10, 15 years, I believe. I saw the reporting, and, and he's just saying, no, he's not going to play yet. And I think it's right uh, for these players to want to do that. So if he does come back, I hope it's I know that it's going to be his decision uh, and hopefully the right decision there. So, all right, Brendan, thank you so much for joining us. This has been a great conversation. We appreciate you finally coming on to our podcast. I know that some people were asking uh, to hear us talk a little bit more about what we have dubbed the Valley Boys lineup. I do think it still needs a better name, uh, if we can think of a better name. And I know Sam joined you on the Locked On podcast to talk about that lineup. So make sure to listen to that if you want to hear more conversation about that specific lineup. Uh, is there anything else that you would like to plug, Brendan? No. Uh, too much <laughs> too much random stuff. Just follow me on Twitter at LockedOnPHXSuns. If you live in the Valley, I've been covering the protests for the Phoenix New Times. Uh, general NBA stuff over at Dime Magazine. Sun stuff all over the place. So, How... Yeah. Uh... Follow How's the Twitter. protest coverage going, man? That's that's serious stuff. That's big boy. Uh, it's been fun. It's been cool yeah. to get the opportunity to do it and to be out there to be able to, you know, it's like I'm covering it for an outlet that didn't have anyone else to do it. So it's like if I'm not out there, then the message isn't getting out. So um, they've they've it's, been awesome. Like I credit to Phoenix doing it the right way. Like not that there's a right yeah. way and a wrong way, but they've had a message and an organization and everything from the start and they've stuck to it and they've organized these things around like specific meetings and all that stuff. So, uh, yeah, that's been really fun, but yeah, I'm at, I'm, I'm on Twitter at Brendan clean 14. You can find everything there. Yeah, definitely follow Brendan. We appreciate you coming on. Uh, hopefully we'll have enough to talk about in another episode next week. We'll see. (laughs) We never know anymore, but thank you everyone for listening. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.